0: History 101
1: What's up everybody and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts, my name is Fred Rojas, and joining me tonight from an ancient Chinese mod shop uh, <laughs> in none other than, uh, I don't know, where are we going to put you? We'll put you uh, right in the heart uh, of Hong I, Kong, why not? I, I do like one. traveling the world. <laughs> there you go,
2: yes, is none other than Mr. Gem Elias, how you doing sir? I'm doing very good Fred, I'm probably sounding louder today because we've a Maybe new a mic set up. Maybe. <laughs> I, ho- I wonder how the recording comes out. Actually, <laughs> that's what I was going to wonder. Actually, <laughs> hopefully less buzzing, but we'll see. <laughs> Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah.
1: Um, your levels seem a little lower, so maybe I'll tweak you a little bit on the recording. So, no problem. I do that all on this end. But anyway, uh, we are returning for part two. Yeah, part two of <laughs> our uh, of our show. Mod
2: um, shop. Or whatever (laughs) we're going to call this one.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I called the old one old console, new hardware. I'm not sure what I'll call the next one. So, Uh, Jam, say something for me.
2: Uh, Hello. What's going on? Perfect. What's going on? I think we're about even now. All right. Anyway. (laughs)
1: Um, All right. But before we kick that off, we've got some news. Mm Mm-hmm. And some feedback that was directly related to the end of last week's show. And since this is a two-parter, I figured I would piggyback yeah. them. So. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse my cough. Um, so, News. Retro USB. These, are, these guys are, I think it's retrousb.com. If not, you can just look them up. They also have a Facebook page, which I don't follow their Facebook page, and I found out it is a place I do need to follow. Um, <laughs> they're the ones who make the Power Pack and the Super Power Pack, which are the original flash carts. These are the ones that uh, I was talking about that I have, particularly for Nintendo stuff, and then their biggest competitor being the EverDrive. They announced between this week and last week. Okay, there we go, Jam. Um, Just so you know, your breathing is picked up a little bit. So just be careful on heavy exhale in the mic. But don't worry. We'll get used to it. Oops. Don't worry. It's not much. It's just if you exhale heavily. Um, Anyway uh please don't stay away from the mic i want your voice loud and clear uh, but uh they announced they are making a console called the nintendo avs this was a couple months back but they actually have a release date now i just found out about it and what this is is this is a hdmi ready uh kind of like a clone console but it's not a clone console because it uses um actual nintendo components therefore and no android stuff or anything like that so it's basically ready to go to play all nintendo games including flash carts and all that kind of stuff Um, so uh it is actually similar to what is it called the analog nt have you ever heard
2: of this jam the name sounds familiar. Okay, the Analog MT is basically
1: a rebuilding of the Nintendo in, like, a beautiful Platinum case. And it's got HDMI out, and it's got all these different selections oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah, it is, like, 500 yeah. bucks. Yeah. yeah, I think we talked about this, didn't we? On the, on the... We very well might have. Mm. Well, these guys announced, Retro USB announced that the AVS is going to be $185 and available cool. in June. <laughs> I know one hundred eighty five sounds high, guys, but just to realize that it's over two hundred dollars to mod a regular NES, that's pretty significant. It hmm. Jam, it's got it doesn't have like a it looks kind of like a toaster model oh, yeah, NES. I've
2: got, I've got a picture of it here. Okay. Yeah, so the got plenty of outputs.
1: Yeah, it does top loader and side loader. It does support the Bluetooth. I know we didn't talk about the Bluetooth adapters last week. I think the reason why is I think the best Nintendo NES controller is an NES controller. So there's no reason to put Bluetooth. (laughs) If you could figure out a Bluetooth way to put NES controllers on everything else I'm in but not the other way around. Uh, But it does support regular NES controllers. It supports top loading and side loading, so US and uh, Famicom style. And it does support the AVS, that RAM cart expansion that I talked about for the uh, Famicom Disk System. So you could buy this thing and the Famicom Disk System RAM cart and stick for like 60 more bucks, and you basically are good to go. Again, if you have a flash cart, though, you are good to go without the RAM cart expansion and everything. But this is a pretty cool, like, region-free HDMI ready-to-go NES. Uh, I'm not going to lie, there's a lot to buy with the recent week's announcements, both in and out of contemporary and retro gaming. But Mm -hmm. this will be on my list, and this will probably be higher on my list just in case it sells out. Although I talked to the guy on Facebook. You can go see me if you go to their page asking the guy about it. And he says he thinks he has plenty of hardware. So, yeah. if you're interested, retrousb.com, you're good to go. By the way, welcome, chatters. We are live on all games every Tuesday mm-hmm. night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can come join us. Cy1, uh, hanging out in the chat, our only native born Australian listener. I haven't pulled that one out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, oh, also, I. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so we got some feedback mm-hmm. from a user who goes by the name of Supercrackers. Um, He wrote in the comments for the show on the website, "Uh, Mm -hmm. Love this show this week. While I know it's out of some people's wheelhouse, I'm looking at you, Fortingard. This show is up my alley. There were a few mistakes here and there, and I wanted to respond to those, Jam. That's why I'm saying this. He says, Mm -hmm. one, my TV does 1080p over component. I'm going to break these down one by one on these things. Okay. So he is right. It is possible to do 1080p over component. I did extensive research, and I kind of said that I didn't, (laughs) cy says, why do I come here again? Um, (laughs) I did want to look this up because as I kind of hinted at last week, I said, I don't want to get into the 1080p over component discussion. But at the same time, people were like, well, this is exactly what we were talking about with like games and stuff where you mention something, but then you don't go into depth about it. So for better or worse, I know it's technical, but I'm really quickly going to get into 1080p over component video. Mm -hmm. So he's right. Technically, component video is capable of up to 1080p at 60 frames a second. So that is equivalent to HDMI, not maximum threshold, but HDMI, the big thing it touts is that, especially for game consoles and for movies, it can do 1080p 60. So yes, you can do that with component. It's my understanding that you need a TV that does 1080p component which is rare now the reason i say it's rare because many of you will go to your tv and go no my tv does 1080p and when i press display or whatever button it is like status it says 1080p under my component video when i'm using my xbox or my playstation 3 for example so fuck (laughs) you that's not true to which i say You're wrong, actually. I'm sorry, but it's true. Very few televisions natively support component. There was a very short period of time for about a year in between, like right around when HDMI was brand new. PlayStation 3 was coming out like 2005, 2007-ish, where, yes, that did happen. And you'd have to check your specs. I know my Sony specifically doesn't do it because Sony is one of the biggest business models against 1080p over component, which is an analog input. And that's the biggest factor here. So yes, your TV has to accept it. The problem you run into a 1080p over component is, like I said, it is an analog format, which in America is a major problem. Now, I'm fairly certain Supercrackers, and we might get to it in this comment, is not from America. So this may be a large portion of the misunderstanding, but it is also the way the consoles marketed, which may also be part of it. So real quick. um, Apparently, it only works also if your component cables are a meter or less long. So that's about three feet. That three feet or less is unsubstantiated. I didn't find anyone who actually tested that with like six foot cables. I think it's because most people don't care hmm. uh, where this falls apart is in the U S the advanced access content system or AACS. Now I think it's only U S but it might be worldwide. Uh, does not allow 10 p under compliance in analog signals. Therefore, Blu-ray players, HD DVD players, DVD players, and pretty much anything that transports television, Roku boxes, things like that, that does television streaming of media that is movies, Blu-ray players, discs, things like that—they make it so that it won't output to 1080p. And again, that is uh, that is you know like a, a compliance sort of thing. And the reason why is there is HDCP, which is uh, high definition copyright protection through hdmi which is the handshaking that makes all this shit really difficult makes your screen blink and makes your receiver not like your television and not like your ps4 and all that shit this is all because of piracy stuff so Mm -hmm. and and copyright protection so basically most instances you only get 720p or 1080i video games do not fall under that though well, most outputs from a computer will not be in component video, so that kind of outs that. Most of your game consoles never output more than 480p through component video, so that also outs that. The two exceptions being the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3. Now, this is where it gets muddy and what I didn't want to talk about. The reality is that save for a handful of games, literally two on the Xbox 360 and like five on the PlayStation 3, all games were basically native 720p or lower resolution and then upscaled so you were dealing with a 720p signal now the upscaling is viewed as either a good thing or a bad thing depending on who you are it's a matter of preference jam i think we've talked about on the show before the debate of 720p versus 1080i what looks better a lower resolution with a more crisp refresh rate because progressive scan refreshes the entire image 30 yeah. or 60 times a second. Whereas interlaced refreshes half the image at a higher resolution, 30 times a second, alternating back and forth or 20 or 15 times a second alternating back and forth. Um, that's up to you, it's in your eyes. The same thing mm-hmm. is true of upscaling in my opinion, whether you think that 720p native looks better than 1080p upscale or the opposite is up to you personally i'm a purist i like native resolutions so i like to play all my ps3 games and my xbox 360 games in 720p which is the native resolution on the rare handful of games that do in 1080p they look even better because they're 1080p downscaled to 720p which also looks good um won't look any better like there is a process on computers nowadays that can Render at a higher resolution and then downscale it, and make it look better. I don't think consoles were able to do any of that. So all you're seeing is a 1080p signal in a 720p box. Um, I don't know. Do you have a preference? Do you even care about upscaling, Jam?
2: I'm not too um, bothered with upscaling at the moment, but uh, and I was like, I'm like you at the moment, where I, even today I play, obviously happily play 360 and PS3 games at 720p. Uh, I, I guess it's always I, I this I get a little bit confused sometimes because um, I guess my I guess for me I, my own experience of 1080p is probably with the next gen systems and um, it does obviously look better for that hardware. But the next gen there, systems
1: but. mostly render in, seven, in 1080p. Um, yeah. granted the Xbox One is very guilty of rendering often in 900p That's, yeah a, it's not quite there <laughs> or, a di- or a dynamic 720p with anti-aliasing to 1080p what it'll do is it'll often do like 4 times anti-aliasing at 720p to one times anti-aliasing at 1080p and move back and forth Advanced Warfare does that a lot it renders on Xbox mm. One natively in very different places whereas the PS4 version strong arms 1080p even though you get judder and stuttering. So actually, Advanced Warfare performs a little bit better on the Xbox One because it has that flimsy uh, resolution. Mm. Um, Yeah, on the classic consoles, but there there were two methods that different companies took when they were outputting. So if you go to component video on your Xbox One, or sorry, Xbox 360, it will allow you to do component 1080p out. And your TV will tell you it's 1080p out. And to a certain extent, that may be true. But what it's doing is it's upscaling it. And furthermore, um, it, you know, that's, that's just two different companies' opinions. Because I'm sure you'll note, uh, and Jam, you probably know this if you play a 720p native game on the PlayStation 3, it will downscale it to 720p. Yeah. yeah.
2: And people get pissed
1: off about that. People go nuts and actually you can force it to 1080p if you want to. You go into your settings for your video and you uncheck the 720p box and check the 1080p box. If you check Mm -hmm. all three, it will still go to 720p, but you can actually force it. Uh, What happens is your performance goes to shit because there's not a good upscaler on the PS3. The PS3's Mm. upscaler wasn't great. And, like, I think games look really ugly. Dead Space was a great example of, like, a game that gets really ugly when you upscale it on PS3. But you know what? Somebody's going to write into the show and go, no, it looks fucking fantastic. It looks (laughs) phenomenal that way. So it's (laughs) all your eyes. So watch it the way you want to. But that's the debate. So it's just... They're all 720p. That's the native resolution. Components uh, supports it. When you get to 1080p, it's just two different styles of thought. Sony said, let's go down to the native resolution. Microsoft said, let's go up to the better resolution, even though we're upscaling. And in the middle is where you get whatever you get. Me, like you, Jam, I like to go native. I know they're all 720p for the most part. And the handful of games that aren't other than Super Street Fighter 2 HD Turbo Edition or something on PS3. They're all in 720p and I play them in 720p. It's just my mm-hmm. thing, but you can definitely upscale it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, real quick, Tiger Claw says there are devices you can find that will bypass HDCP. Well, of course there <laughs> are, Tiger Claw. How do you think I stream PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 games? Now, I know PlayStation 4 has an HDCP removal option, but you know what it also strips out when you do that? It strips out all kinds of other stuff, and certain games don't work, and it does give the power to shut down. Through the HDMI, uh, when they don't want, you know, when you stream certain PS4 games, certain uh, cutscenes are cut out and things like that, and they go, "We've decided we don't want you to be able to stream this." Yeah. Well, unless you have an HDCP stripper, you can't, you, you can't do that. There, yeah. there is an HDMI splitter that actually strips the HDCP out of it, but it still does the handshake thing, Tiger Claw. So it's still a bitch. But anyway, yeah. um, all right. Continuing on with his comment. He says EverDrive N8, which is the EverDrive Nintendo cart, uh, the competitor to the Power Pack, does emulate the sound chip in Akumajū Densetsu Castlevania 3. Okay, excellent. That's mm. great to know. That means no matter which one you have, you have the better option, and it probably means that you're probably better off getting the EverDrive these days. It's a little more convenient. Um, I should also point out the extra sound channel is in that analog. Or not the analog NT, The AV, it is in the analog NT, but it's also in that AVS coming out from retro USB. It already has the extra sound channel ready to go. Now, again, to be clear, the sound channel is actually in the cartridge. So your flash card has to have the sound channel, which it looks like both of them do. So it's in the cartridge, but the Nintendo doesn't know what to do with it. So that mod we talked about last week where you solder the capacitor, or the mm-hmm. resistor... What you're doing is you're allowing the Nintendo to use that extra sound channel if it's found on the cart. This has it ready to go. Anyway, he also says, B and C connectors, not B I I didn't think I called them B and P. I knew they were called B and C. I'm sorry if it sounded like mm. I had said BNP. and maybe I did. Maybe I screwed up. But so it's B as in end. boy, N as in Nancy, C as in cat. <clears throat> and I think you are getting SD2 SNES confused with the Super EverDrive um sd2 snes is actually uh a competitor with the super power pack and the super everdrive as snes flash carts um i'm not sure what he was talking about i re-listened to the episode my only guess is the sd2 snes was a flash cart that apparently can handle a lot more of the um It can emulate more cartridge types and special chipsets, although it still hasn't done super effects. And maybe that's what he means uh, when I was talking about the EverDrive I thought could do it. It looks like the EverDrive can't do it. It's only the SD2 SNES that can do it. He said, would also like to hear about the wonderful world of CRT modding. Can you say RGB natively in America on the cheap? I'm doing one right now as we speak. Well, that sounds like he's in America. (laughs) so Um, Keep up the good work. Slightly obsessed gamers out there appreciate it. You were going to say, Jim? I oh, thought says it's excellent if you're modding a CRT, that's pretty cool. Yes, I looked this up. This happens, you can do it. It is a heavy mod. You have to mm-hmm. basically disassemble your television. Sounds like it, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, basically rewire it. Um, some are natively built with it in the television. Uh, they use it as a video processor, but you still have to open it up and solder into it and stuff. Uh, yeah. I should warn people who are looking into this, you can die working on this mod if you're not careful. Much like working on arcade monitors, you have to discharge the picture tube. uh, The cathode ray tube, which is what CRT stands for. If you do not do this, you can get in some real trouble. So it's not unsafe. People do it all the time. They work on arcade monitors, they repair them, they fix them, they mod them. Same thing with CRT TVs. But this is going to be a heavy mod that needs you to know how to discharge your CRT properly and you'll mm. be doing a lot of soldering and basically rebuilding an input or a- output on the television if you can do it awesome super cracker like good for you i think that's out of my wheelhouse however <laughs> yes <laughs> if you would like to mod a television and sell it to me and i think your work is valuable so i will pay you for that we can talk don't do it before we've agreed on a price though <clears throat>
2: What, what what is it we you'd mod it though on the CRT? That's yeah, if he wants to about. take
1: an actual television and mod it so that it takes in SCART RGB. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh in America, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like and if he oh, wants cool. to sell that, I'm in. Um hopefully he lives near me in Kansas City and I can drive, you know, within five hundred miles and pick it up. If not, we'll have to figure out shipping. But um, you know, depending on how much it costs for him to acquire the television and do the mod and what his time and, and, and parts mm-hmm. are worth uh, if we can come to an agreement, I'm in. Uh, then again, if you don't want to, you have absolutely don't feel obligated in any way. Like, I'm just
2: interested. Um, you, yeah? I was going to say, do you not have any later model CRTs that did have RGB mm-hmm. put in them? Nope. Component. Oh.
1: We don't have RGB ins and we don't have SCART anywhere oh. in
3: wow. our whole country.
1: I know, right? Blows your mind. <laughs> yeah. it does, but yeah, it does, actually. <laughs> right? Um now, what I will say is, uh, I do want to mention real quick. So I, 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 rescued a television jam.
2: Oh, sweet!
1: I was driving Love home. That. There's it's garage sale <laughs> season in America right now. And here, driving. Yep. Oh, okay. So so it is. <laughs> it is that time. Um, yep. I was driving home from uh, the gym on Sunday morning. It was Mother's Day. I went and got my wife flowers. I found a florist that opens <laughs> at 6 a.m. on Mother's Day. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I went to bed early. Got up at 6 a.m. Um, grabbed the flowers and on my way back uh, and then went to the gym and then on my way back with both things in tow i passed this thing and it said free tv so i went and looked at it now a lot of times (laughs) yeah a lot of times you'll see crt tvs out on the curb they're of no use to me i look in the back they might not even have composite video and even composite video is not that useful to me because my television can do it even though it's ugly um But uh, but I've got plenty of composite televisions or they have RF in the back, the screw on connection, which is also of no use to me because we've talked about the flaws with those. But every now and again, you find something truly special. And this was a sharp ED TV extended definition television. This was a marketing term used around the time of HD TV's first coming out. It was a flat screen tube. So this was right before LCDs and plasmas really hit big. Yeah, um, It's a flat screen CRT that has S video and component video ports. Huh. So component video is very useful, but it also supports through component 480p. Nothing else, mm. just 480p. So this is was a yeah. weird, rare find. It was a 27-inch flat screen, so that means it doesn't have rounded. Even my 36-inch uh, big CRT is rounded. mmm uh, that supports 480p, which is very useful for, um, you know, PlayStation 2, Xbox era stuff. A lot of those component outs were in 480p. So I saved this TV for free. Had a lot of spider eggs and stuff on it. I went home, I cleaned <laughs> it up. Yeah, I cleaned it up. I wiped it off. It looked good as new. Had a remote even.
0: Oh, sweet. And That's it worked.
1: Finished. Everything worked. All the inputs worked. The television worked. Cleaned up real nice. It's pretty heavy. Still fucking 27-inch. It was still about 100 Eh, not 100 pounds, but it was probably 65 pounds. It's heavy as fuck to carry in by myself. I can imagine, yeah. And uh, it's a good backup in case this one ever goes out on me. Yeah. Um, beautiful little television. The remote works. And you know what? Guess what happened at like 8 a.m. that morning, like less than an hour afterwards? Big rainstorm. That would have <laughs> destroyed that wow, television. Yeah. So I literally Lucky. saved it. So, yeah, yeah um yeah heck says how much did it weigh 250 pounds my 36 inch rca old school tube hd tv that only supports hd tv at 480p and 600p 800 by 600 was direct tv's original high def tv through vga that does weigh 272 pounds It takes three people and you have to go (laughs) screen down. Otherwise, somebody will get injured, which means you're literally walking with it with the screen, the tube that will break inches from the ground. It's a scary move. Uh, I hope I'll never have to do it again.
2: Well, this is why Fred goes to the gym, you see. So yes, exactly. This heavy. is why you go to the gym on Sunday
1: morning, because before everybody goes to church, uh, <laughs> that's when you get it. Hectic goes, this TV was on the curb, hadn't been stripped down yet. Wow. Well, I should point out I'm in a suburban <laughs> suburban Kansas, so like it's not exactly like there's a bunch of technophiles out here. But maybe I'm just judging. Um, anyway. <clears throat>
2: No hotels so, yeah. around there where they throw TVs out the window and stuff.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, he did have two other televisions that uh, were RG- were only RF or composite, and I didn't touch those, and those did get destroyed. Like TV he had right? one that was bigger. It was like a 32-inch. Uh, oh, CRT mm. uh, I didn't grab it because I didn't have really room in the SUV like I could have made room if I really wanted to and mm. had that had s-video a component I probably would have but since it yeah. didn't I didn't and so those were unfortunately probably killed by the rain if you ever find one in the rain and you want to salvage it bring it indoors dry do up. not pat it towel dry it but do not turn it on for at least a week mm-hmm. this allows all forms of moisture to stay to dry out and if you can put a fan on it for at least two days um, because what happens is when you throw electricity in there, if there's even a hint of moisture, boom, it blows. Yep. But if you can let it all completely dry, a rained-on television may still be okay.
2: Anyway. Well, you recommend that for the soft of consoles as well, if you – well, any electrical items, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Anyone goes to the flea market, <laughs> so –
1: B. Mulligan says, what do you strip off the TV, the nameplate? Oh, they can strip <laughs> everything. I thought at least the, the remote would be gone because a Sharp yeah, remote that's will work. For, yeah. yeah, if that's you don't know fine. this, a Sharp remote works on any Sharp TV, even a newer one. It'll still probably have the same programming codes, more than likely. Mm. But anyway. Um, all right. Well, we've talked a lot uh, going into this about updates. So let's jump into the stuff that people really want to hear about, which is the more modern stuff and the stuff Jams worked with. Oh, yeah. We have a couple of things to get through real quick, but. Jam, the first one is the Sega CD Mega CD. So Mm -hmm. you're familiar with it. There's only a couple of mods. I'm actually surprised there's any. (laughs) Yes, and they're not crazy mods. Uh, The first one is the region mod. The region mod we kind of talked about on a show previously, which is there are three regions. There is the Mega CD Japan. There's the Mega CD PAL or Europe. And there's the Sega CD, which is US. Um, The discs themselves have the region built into them so if you get a mismatch if you take a pal copy of snatcher and put it into my sega cd it will not work subsequently if i send jam my u.s copy of star wars battle chess he cannot play it on his it will just simply say disc not valid Mm -hmm. what you can do to get around this is one of two things uh there is a very simple piece of software that you can put the cd in your disc drive you can rip it to an iso using you know uh, afterburn or whatever very there's a lot of iso ripping software and then you can patch it to change the region and then reburn it so jam can turn my because it's essentially the same game so jam can turn my ntsc us region one let's say i don't know what the i'm getting guessing japan was region one america was region two europe was mm. region three just in terms of when they came out um and then jam can patch mine to be his to the right region and then reburn it to a blank CD. There's no copyright protection on the Sega CD, and you're good to go. Um, you can also, alternatively, um, put a flash cart in, and it has a different, and and it will use a different BIOS at startup. Um, so those are the two ways you can do it. Uh, mm. So those are just region things, not that big of a deal. I. I'm torn with Sega CD games. I tend to not use backups very often. The reason why is the laser lens is pretty weak, and even though Verbatim, which is what I use for most burn games, and I'm not above using it on a Sega CD, um, Verbatim does a really good job of, um, of, of making high-quality burns. You never know when that laser lens is going to go out, and I don't want to have to replace a Sega CD. Eventually, yeah. they're all going to die. Yeah. So... I do um I do tend to not burn them. But there are other people who've been using them for two decades on burned CDs, even low quality ones and they don't have huh. a problem and they don't give a fuck. So you know, emulation's yeah. gotten pretty good. Uh as somebody who uses it sometimes and will be using it for Cron CD for quality's sake, you know, uh it it, it emulates it perfectly. <laughs> so uh-huh. with no rips or anything, none of the Vsync screen tearing or whatever you get from the NES and stuff. So you know, hey, Sega's easy to reverse engineer, probably because it was based off of CD or sorry, computer parts. Um, the other thing you can do is the memory cart. So, um, so yeah, uh, Jam, do you have? So you you probably know this. The Sega CD or Mega CD comes with what they call 108 blocks of memory built into it. It's non-volatile yeah, yeah. or NV RAM that never goes bad. Uh-huh. Um, but it doesn't store much and some games use more blocks than others such as uh what's the one shining force shining force (laughs) uses the entire storage (laughs) of the console yeah um and where you where can you put it like you have to erase it if you want to save anything else um so the solution is the memory cart well for a long time that eight i think it's eight megabits so one megabyte Small, yeah. RAM cart, which does hold like 1,100 blocks. No, it's like 8,800 blocks. It holds a ton of memory. Like yeah, I've never run memory, out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it is a fucking battery backup. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, that cart does allow you to save and copy and do all kinds of stuff. And it, I have the official one. I'm looking at it right now. It's called the CD Backup RAM Cart. Mm -hmm. This product is not a game for use with Sega CD to save. Um, And it's just a cartridge. You literally put it in there. It tells the Sega CD to boot up Sega CD anyway. Because the way the Sega CD works is if you have a Genesis cart in your drive, um, it will, or if you have like a power base converter and a master system cart, or if you have a 32X and a 32X cart in there, it will run the cart over the cd if you have nothing in there it runs the cd well this ram cart bypasses that and says no run the cd anyway mm. do you have this jam no i don't i actually don't <laughs> okay well don't actually... they've made replacements now mm. modern ones i think they still use battery backups though i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but uh one place i know that's in america and i think there's many more in japan so they are not we get no kickbacks from them or anything and they're actually kind of a more expensive group so you can in my opinion if you want to i definitely recommend you shop around but i can tell you stone age gamer definitely has it and it's 40 bucks um i'm trying to remember what they call it but uh here we go sega cd accessory uh, they call it the Ultra CD Backup RAM Cart, and it's currently out of uh, stock. But um, it's actually eight thousand one hundred and eighty-nine blocks, and it's thirty-nine ninety-nine. It's compatible worldwide, so I'm sure you can find it out there. It's not that rare, um, but uh, about forty bucks sounds about right. So yeah, um. But Jam, you've you've gotten by without it. Uh, I'd recommend it oh, if you can. I don't,
2: yeah. But I don't have any games. That's why at the moment. So <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Well, that's a problem. Yep. <laughs> Just buy a spindle of verbatim discs, and mm-hmm. sky's the limit.
2: Um, <laughs> they're quite hard I, to find. I say because what well, they call mega CD games around here. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and that's why what I do is, for better or worse, even if I and I've gotten rid of a couple games, but not too many. I have about yeah forty two games. Um, What Mm -hmm. I do immediately is I use the software. I use this for everything. Uh ImageBurn, I-M-G-B-U-R-N. This is the ultimate backup, burning, and creating uh, software. It's open source. It's free. uh, It works great. Um, But I immediately put the disk into my drive and create an ISO of it and put it on a uh, four terabyte powered hard drive. Yeah. Uh, that's just my massive backup, you know, <laughs> like, and I just yeah. have it backed up on there so that I and I do this with a lot of games. I do this with my Xbox on my soft mod. It's just so I have backups. Yeah. Um, there aren't too many mods for the rest of the CD consoles early on here, uh, mostly because they're so rare. Very few people want to mod like a PC Engine CD or a TurboGrafx CD or a Philips CDI. I would never fucking mod a Philips CDI. Um, the 3DO does have one. And it's pretty high end, and Stone Age Gamer is the only people I know who do it, mm. which is a USB mod. It costs 250 bucks for the part, <sighs> and if you want them to do it, they'll do it for another 80. And I think they only do it in America. But what it does is instead of you having your laser lens on your 3DO, it puts a USB port. So you open up the the disk drive, you know, the the top loader, and mm-hmm. where the lens normally is. There's just a little USB port, and you put a pen drive in there, and it runs the it runs the ISO of the game as if there's a disk in there.
3: Mm.
1: Um, why do this? Well, there's no good emula- emulator for 3DO. There's one that exists. It's called FreeDO, but it's not great. It's the so, I had I that one, yeah. Yeah, so this is the only way to truly play the games. Hmm why do it well if your 3do's laser lens dies 3dos go for about 200 bucks you may as well spend 300 for this mod and never have to worry about it again you can use image burn to pull the isos you're good to go um i haven't done it yet again i use native 3do games i have less 3do games i might have more i might have about 30 of them um but uh but yeah i mean there's there's some uses for them um but uh the 3do allows you to play Burn games natively um, has a really good laser lens in there and a really strong two-time CD-ROM drive. So it's really high quality. Um, and it uh, and, uh, doesn't have any region lock. So mm. a lot of people don't have a need for it. The downside to the Stone Age Gamer mod is he has a very limited quantity. And the guy who made the part is actually kind of a shithead. He he tells uh, the story of story. the business transactions. So he only has a couple left. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't say run out and do it, but the reality is is my 3DO will probably not die before those are gone forever but it is a mm. mod you can get so mm. uh this for is sure. also the mod that if you listen to the interview with haiti these are mods that the idea of stuff like that just makes her weak and then like like shiver with fear like how you're it's kind of like the idea of defiling a arcade for a maim cab yeah yeah so. i understand that yeah um, we talked about the Jaguar weather- Ready, which is the skunk drive. Did, yeah. That's mm-hmm. the flash cart. I didn't hear anything back, so I'm guessing no one re- actually has one. But again, write <laughs> yeah. in contact at 101com if you have one. I'm very interested in getting my hands on one um, because there are certain carts I just acknowledge I'm not going to be able to find anymore. Mm. Um, and the ROMs are out there on the internet. Uh, there's also an S-Video mod. I actually have it on my Jaguar. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, it's I've, just heard about, a, I've heard about this. Yeah. yeah, it's just a little adapter that there's exposed teeth in the back of your Jaguar.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, that usually have like a plastic cover on them. You just pull the cover off. You put it on there. On the other end is a red, white, yellow composite video and a S video port. And you just use regular cables for it. Yeah. Uh, the part uh, didn't even need to send my Jaguar to them. They just sent me the part. Looks like a little adapter. Mm -hmm. um and it cost me about 30 bucks if you can find one cool they're not too hard to find i think also some people sell like cords pre-made where it goes on like the adapter you can tell it's homemade because it's got electrical tape on it and stuff and then on the other end is s video it's just a pin out thing i think it's very similar to an r s uh to a scart rewiring um but it just doesn't have rgb um and real quick i said i'd talk about a Mame cab so
2: yeah yeah of course absolutely
1: yeah, have you ever looked into this jam or seen how this works?
2: Yeah, well, I've, I was well, when I, eventually when I get my own house or something and my own place, which well, who knows when I'll be, I was looking to make my own mame cab, but we'll see when that is. But yeah, yeah, I have looked into it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, okay, so here's my recommendations. There yep. is a whole show we could do on mame modifications, and mm-hmm. I wrote an article all <laughs> about how I did it. So you can read that on gaming history 101. Just search for mame or mame cab. Mm-hmm. Um What I would recommend instead is here's the quick and dirty version. So Mm -hmm. if you've ever gotten a cabinet, especially one that was made by like most manufacturers between the times of like 1987, 88 and like 2000, Mm -hmm. they all use a form called JAMA, J A M M A. This is a wiring. This Mm -hmm. basically turned arcade cabinets into consoles to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. Now, to be clear, the arcade itself is the big PCB board, the big green chip board that looks like a massive cartridge that would hook into the JAMA harness and run the game. So there's no computing actually going on on the JAMA harness. Mm -hmm. All JAMA was was it was a way of wiring all the buttons, all the power supply, all of the monitor and everything so that you could just slap any PCB in there and have it run. Now, all the, and the reason yeah, why yeah, was yeah. all the machine components were in there, but it would allow them to use the same input and output pins and everything uh, so that a Pit Fighter cab could become a Ninja Turtles cab by just swapping the JAMA PCB. Mm-hmm. And anybody who buys a JAMA board, and you can pretty much tell a JAMA board, it, it looks like all the harnesses look the same, plus you can look up your arcade and see if it was JAMA compliant. Most of them during those years I just mentioned were. There's also Jamma Plus, which is a six button output instead of a two to four button output, which is what Street Fighter used. And then there were modified Jamma Pluses for the outliers. Mortal Kombat always used a notorious modification of Jamma Plus, so you'd have to buy a converter for Mm -hmm. turning that into a traditional Jamma Plus, which is what Capcom used. Um, And there's also Killer Instinct, which used a modified Jamma Plus as well. You can get a converter for that as well. And again, it just hooks into the wiring and just converts it so that it's something you can use. The reason that matters to MAME cabbing yeah. is it's very easy to make a MAME cab if you have JAMA wiring. And mm. more importantly, you don't have to modify the cab or hardware in any way. So you can turn it into an, the classic cab with a couple of steps. My Pit Fighter cab became a MAME cabinet and then didn't become a MAME cabinet with less than an hour of my time. It'll take you a while to, ac- while to actually wire it, or not wire it, but to set it all up. But mm-hmm. you're good to go um and you don't have to modify cabs which a lot of people you know care about although apparently arcade outsiders say i'm free to defile a pit fighter cabinet at any time because it's a shitty game
2: uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh that's pretty it's awesome having a pit. well yeah so
1: so here's what you need and kind of how much it'll cost first you need a JAMA arcade cabinet and if yep. you're new to this stuff or you don't know wiring i would recommend a non JAMA plus a lot of people go well let's do a JAMA plus right so that i can right, do all yeah, the street yeah. fighter stuff Probably not. And actually, Street Fighter, Killer Instinct, even, and a lot of the, those arcade games, Mortal Kombat, those have all been made to run on modern consoles with very, or PCs with very little problems. Mm-hmm. Why bother? Um, why not get almost every game you'll play needs two to four buttons. So just find a good three or four button. My Pit Fighter was three button, but you can find some four buttons out there um, that has you know two to four players. Especially if you can get lucky and get like a Ninja Turtle Cab or something. And use it with that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So what you do is you have to buy something, I believe it's called an IPAC, an I-PAC. And what this does is it hooks into the JAMA harness where the PCB normally is, and it kind of converts everything to a computer, which is the Mm -hmm. cool part. So the first thing you do is it tricks the buttons and wiring that is in your JAMA JAMA cabinet to being keyboard shortcuts. And it wires them exactly like MAME. So let's take the easy example. Let's say you get a, an altered beast cab. I think that has three <laughs> buttons and two joysticks, okay? Uh, yep. So when you hook this in here, it tells the computer, because you're going to hook your computer up to this. It tells the computer, hey, up, down, left, right relates to arrow, up, down, left, right, which is what MAME is looking for on the keyboard. It basically tricks your inputs to being a second keyboard on your computer so that mm-hmm. MAME will work with it. The other thing it does And, of course, it's programmable, so you can just tap the buttons to reprogram MAME at any time. And the way it does this is there will be a PS2 or USB output from this thing into your computer, which sets it up as a keyboard. Alternatively, you probably want to put a second keyboard in. And, yes, you can have two USB keyboards hooked up at once uh, so that you can troubleshoot the cabinet with an actual keyboard in case you have any problems. Mm -hmm. The other thing, you can also put a mouse in there so you can actually run it like a computer through the arcade. The other thing it does is it tells it allows the VGA out of your computer to go into the VGA in of the iPad and sends the video signal to your monitor. Now, here's where the biggest problem comes in. The VGA out is usually 640 by 480 at 31 hertz when right. you break that down on older PCs. This is especially useful in Windows XP. Windows 7 is capable of it, but it's a little harder. Most mm-hmm. people will tell you use a Windows XP computer. Here's the downside. The monitor needs a 640 by 480 RGB at 15 hertz, right? That's a low power thing. Now, Jam, a lot of your S-Cart RGB TVs actually do this. So you guys are good to go. Oh, but so for those awesome of us, bit, yeah. well, but arcade Maybe. monitors are a different beast. And your computers yeah, yeah. don't output that way. So you need to get graphics cards that support those modes, And if you want to be able to support some of the older stuff like Donkey Kong and whatnot, which Donkey Kong is not a JAMA setup, but you Mm. can run Donkey Kong through MAME and have it show up. Well, it's going to look really weird on your cabinet if you don't have it able to render other weird resolutions that like Donkey Kong did, like 320 by 224 is one. There's some really weird ones on like Space Invaders and stuff. What I've learned is the Radeon, I think, you can look online. You're going to have to do a lot of research, but I think the Radeon HD 6450 512 megabyte uh, card, which is very common. It's very cheap nowadays. I think Micro Center and Newegg still have them for like 15 bucks. You can find them online cheap too. uh, Is the best one, and it hooks into any PCI port, and it doesn't need external power. So you can find even like old office PCs, that have okay. a free PCI oh, port I've that isn't disabled. Oh, I've seen do that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you can just slap that in there and it works. And then you use this thing called soft uh, mod or soft resolution yeah, soft. or something. And mm. what it does is it tricks the Radeon into running in 640 by 480 at 15 hertz. Mm. Now here's the problem. It will do that as soon as you restart the computer. So what you gotta do is you gotta have it hooked up to a regular monitor. Install the soft 15 hertz software. Reboot the computer, or actually shut down the computer. Hook it up to the iPack. Turn on the computer. Maybe it's a JPEG. I think it's for JAMA. It's called the JPEG, but I, I yeah, can't remember yeah. which one. But anyway, turn on the arcade monitor. Turn mm-hmm. on the computer, and it should display the resolution through your computer. If it doesn't, if you don't see an image there... You might have to shut it down and try it all over again. And there are like Mm -hmm. shortcuts and ways to do it. This is the hardest part. It also means that your computer has no way of looking normal on a regular screen unless you find a way to like boot into safe mode or something so it's something to keep in mind but you can totally do it Mm. what's it going to cost you on top of the arcade cabinet which you could probably secure like a pit fighter or something like that something you don't care about that's an easy jama board for probably about 50 to 100 bucks if you know use arcade people around your area Mm. then you're going to need a computer that can run it those you could probably secure for 50 to 100 bucks the graphics card is going to be like nothing the JPEG's a little (laughs) expensive i think that's about 100 bucks so mm-hmm. you're talking about three to 500 bucks to do this. Yeah. And then you're going to need about 20 to 30 hours to learn how all this wiring works and get it working. But once you do, you've got a mame cab, good to go. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's quite your rewarding
2: main though. It's quite, what? It's quite rewarding going, you yeah, know, doing it yourself though and doing all that stuff all steps.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, it's worthwhile. I have recently gotten rid of mine. Uh, another thing I've definitely used, which uh, which is something much easier and much and and kind of works in the same way, is there are things called Elfs or blue Elfs or not another something box. Um, mm-hmm. These are like very. Uh, these are um, almost like computers, but my understanding is they are full PCBs, but they found a way to take you know, 100 chips with today's technology and constrict all of the games, the full PCBs into these little chips and have a bunch of them. Some of them work like computers. You can tell those when you get them because they literally look like a computer almost Mm. and they hook into a JAMA. Other ones like the the Blue Elf, I think, is actual chips because it looks like a plastic box and when you open the box, it's nothing but three layers of PCB (laughs) all together with a JAMA hookup. So I think that's actually... Not a computer-like, but I'm sure there's some computer willy-nilly stuff going on. Those you buy for about 100 bucks on places like a, a JAMA, PCB.com, or various other places. Mm-hmm. And you can hook them directly into... Um, mostly these are made for JAMA+. Plus, so you'll want to secure yourself a good Capcom fighting game cabinet. A Darkstalkers, a Street Fighter versus X-Men, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 3 mm-hmm. cabinet. And you hook these in there. They're already ready to go, JAMA Plus wired. And they have like 400 games that you can mm-hmm. play on them. And it's got all the fighting games you'd want. It's got Mortal <laughs> Kombat 1, 2, and 3. And yep. it converts all the pins for you. It's got Killer Instinct 1 and 2 converts all the pins. It's got all the Street Fighters. It's even got Dash and Rainbow Edition and all that
2: crazy shit. There's so many versions. Yeah, it's
1: got all of those on there. That's like a 100 of them. Yep. Then they take all the really popular Neo Geo stuff like Call of the Wolf and... Um, uh, and and like Nam 1975 and Ninja Warrior and I'm I'm screwing up some of these names Magician right. Lord and you know Wind Jammers and it puts all those on there then it has some weird ones. That are mm-hmm. just cult favorites, like Willow on the arcade, which is a fucking oh, yeah. phenomenal arcade. <laughs> it's great. Throws yeah. that on there. It throws in all the Konami brawlers. You got your Simpsons, your Ninja Turtles, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then it throws on random stuff, like some shmups. There's usually Donpachi, Pachi, all the cave shooters. Uh, it'll throw in, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then it throws in all the random fighters that were on Neo Geo and elsewhere. Like I think Time Killers is often in this kit and stuff like that. Yeah, that's an and odd you, one. Yeah. Yeah, and these things cost like a hundred bucks, and you can just slap mm. them in there. This is what I want to do if I ever find a good Street Fighter. But most people want about six hundred bucks for a Street yeah, Fighter cab these days. Yeah, it's popular. Yeah, and I I'm not going to do that. If hmm. you want to sell me a Street Fighter cab for about two hundred fifty bucks, I'll do that and I'll come pick it up. I'll slap this elf thing in there and I'll be good to go. Otherwise, I've got one and I just hang on to it. You know, someday I will find a cabinet, but uh-huh. that's a much easier way where you don't have to wire shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But
3: it's
1: that's obviously true. not mame. Um, uh-huh. So, anyway, uh, B Mulligan says Rainbow Dash edition bronies forever. Hell yeah! Yep. Although bronies yep, aren't okay. necessarily gay, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Rainbow Edition is awesome. Go listen to our Street Fighter. Thing, if you want to know about Dash and Rainbow and all the crazy modified Street Fighter 2s that existed before Champion Edition.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, Jam, let's talk about something you Brits know very well.
2: British. Time. The Sony
1: PlayStation. Yes. And modifying <laughs> the Sony PlayStation. So there were a couple of things about the Sony PlayStation. First of all was the original first model had yes. a parallel port in the back of it. Mm-hmm. You guys, you guys had that too, right? Where you yeah, could yeah. open the door in the back, and it had like, like a twenty or a nineteen pin connection.
2: Mm, yes, yeah, that's right.
1: Are those very well sought after? Because there were two others. There was uh, obviously the one without the port, and then yes. there was the PS One, which was the rounded, smaller version.
2: Yeah, that the, um, I'd say no. They're fairly easy to come by still, although. Because um, I've, I've, it's kind of like flea market season slash car boot season around here at the moment. I haven't right. seen very many of them around actually at the moment. So that maybe that could be changing. Um, but then again, you know, um, it, it could be a question of you know, are people just hanging on to them or are they just chucking them away? Really? Yeah. But, um, yeah, and they're
1: dying at, at pretty good clip. And there's yeah. enough PlayStation ones out there. Plenty of PlayStation ones, I would say. People aren't yeah. restoring them. You can pick up a PlayStation One for what would you say, twenty bucks, fifteen quid.
2: Oh, easily, On yeah, the easy. It's just, yeah. I, you know, I, I, come across those slim models all the time. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think I've, I've got. I think I told, I made a joke earlier in, um, in the previous episode. I was going to send you one at some point because I've got three of them. <laughs> and their
1: reliability <laughs> is sketchy at best. Uh, as you can see, when Jam said that to me, it was because my Strider Two disc broke. Yeah, um, And it's actually not the disc. People were saying, like, oh, what if it's scratched? No, because if I pop it into my PlayStation 3, which all PlayStation 3s support through software emulation, yes. mm-hmm. PS1 games, so that's the other thing. PlayStation 2s do. Every PlayStation other than the 4 supports PlayStation 1 games, which is also why PlayStation 1s are not very much sought after. And PlayStation 1 is not a very reliable console we're learning more and more how kind of flimsily made the playstation one was with cheap components
2: yes um, yeah absolutely
1: yeah so so that's why my strider 2 breaking that was pretty much the playstation one i was playing it off of which was a parallel port having launch model although i did have a guy go through and resolder some connections and clean it up but it's still shaky at best Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, th- these parallel ones were, were wanted very heavily in the modding scene in 1996 to 2000 when this was rampant. Am um, I correct? I've heard that Europe was the biggest modders in <laughs> and- <laughs> I wouldn't be pirates of PlayStation One. I heard that all you guys stopped playing with your copied Amigas and started copying PlayStation right after
2: this. I, I, there was so much. Um, I saw a lot of pirated Playstations when I was younger. Um, essentially, I mean, we're get. Well, I guess we're getting onto that, but you know, it it was essentially it it, you were modding the, the console itself so that it could play burned discs. Really, yes. Um,
1: and we should point out Sony PlayStation was one of the first consoles. And definitely the first console to have really good copyright protection to the point that we can't emulate it today. Mm. It had a bad boot sector in every disc that was intentional, that was the copyright protection. It was very similar to the NES 10. Now, some people, some Chinese companies have been able to replicate it, which we'll talk about soon with the swap discs. Yeah but they're not going to teach you how to do it. They burn it and sell you the disc. They never, no one's figured out how to burn the bad boot onto a burn disc. All we do is go around that boot up process in various ways. And then you use the burn disc after the boot is complete. So it's pretty smart copyright protection. Again, Hmm. it hasn't been bypassed ever. Um, other than these handful of Hong Kong companies who probably got them out of dev kits. Yeah. Um, but there were different ways you could get around this piracy protection. And the first one doesn't even require any mods, no? which is the <laughs> disc swap trick. Jam, have you ever done the disc swap trick?
2: I haven't personally done this. No, no, because most of, like I said, most of the most of the spaces I saw were actually modded, <laughs> so. Okay, yes. So, um, treat.
1: <laughs> have you ever seen this or done it? <laughs> I haven't done it. No. <laughs> okay, so the disk swap trick does this. Okay, so you do know when you open a PlayStation mm-hmm. in the lid, I think okay. it's for all three of them, there's a little button. Uh, if you're looking down at the at the disc tray with the lid open, the button is in the upper right. Um, the laser will be dead center at the bottom. The buttons in the upper right. And there mm-hmm. were different ways you could do it. There was a but basically, the lid had like this long plastic, thing that pushed that that was sticking out so that when you close the lid it would push the button down with this long plastic thing it was very archaic design and mm-hmm. so what people would do to get that to work was um you would rip that off you would file it off or cut it off it was very easy to take off that plastic part and then you would permanently push the button down the most common way to do this was a pencil eraser mm-hmm. You'd rip the eraser out of a pencil tape it down with scotch tape you could super glue it down i mean the button you would want it down at all times, not up in any way. The up would disengage the the, ga- the console from loading and say, hey, the lid's open. So <laughs> people would find a way to depress it down permanently. Um, there was also a fun little thing. I've got one. It's a little spring which had a weight in it and the weight pushes down the thing and then the spring wraps around the lid so that you can have the lid open and trick the console into thinking it's closed. mm So what you could do is you could put a disc in there, an actual PlayStation disc, anything. Like, let's say you put Mm. Tomb Raider in there, and you would start it up. When you start it up, you will see the PlayStation do a couple of reads. It's looking for the bad boot sector, and the way you'll know is you get the PlayStation load-up screen. Everybody knows it's white. And then if it detected the bad boot sector, it would switch over to the black screen that everybody knows. It's actually the screen that loads when you load a PS1 game on a PSP Vita or PS3 nowadays. Yeah. Um, and the disc would stop spinning for about three seconds, three to five seconds. You would literally see it stop. Like the console would stop it from spinning when it was loading that up while it's showing the, this is an official licensed PlayStation game, okay? Mm-hmm. During that time... I'm not kidding. You would have to pull out the old disc, put in the burned disc really fast and lock it into place and then get your hands off of everything so that when it spun up to try reading the disc again, you didn't damage the spinning motor and it read the disc and started booting the game. Quick reflexes. (laughs) Yes. This damaged many a PlayStation and resulted in some funny ass stories. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) don't recommend the disc swap trick today but it was the oldest way to play burned games. Mm. And apparently, it was number one out of Europe for a long time.
2: <laughs> People were crazy in terms of they would go to any lengths to play sort of you know those games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um. I can believe that.
1: <laughs> the other was and the easier way to do this is the disc swap trick without the long time or without the short time frame, which was you could get a Game Shark or Pro Action replay that would hook into those serial ports. Mm-hmm. You had to get certain models. Certain models removed this ability later on. But what you would do is you it would use the disc to boot the game up, and then it would override once it went to load it through the parallel port. It would override and load the Game Shark instead. Then mm. when you picked your cheats in your game, it would load the disc again. You know what I mean? It would spin yep. it back up. Well, so the trick here was you use a real disc... To load up the Game Shark, and then you would see, of course you'd have to have the lid open, but you would see the disc stop spinning while it was in the Game Shark. if you had the right one. Mm-hmm. During the time that it stopped spinning, you would have all the time in the world to swap it out for the burn disc. Then you would load the disc up with no cheats, and you're good to go. In fact, you could load it with cheats, but there was some things that could screw up based off of the boot you used. But basically, that was an easy way to do the same disc swap trick without having to, um, you know, without having to do it so fast. Mm. Then the most popular way, and definitely what they did in Europe,
2: mod yep. chips. So what's a mod chip, Jim? Um Well, mod chip from, well, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but my understanding was just simply where you actually had to you actually t- t- take the PlayStation kind of apart a bit mm-hmm. and um, basically install... Well, not really. it is it, there was a bit of soldering trickery here yep. where you put a mod a, a chip into the internals of the PlayStation so you could just play burn discs without the hassle of the <laughs> the swap and <laughs> the swap disk trick yep and it was
1: different chips uh, it could have anywhere between on the PlayStation one I, this is just memory I didn't look these up because of course yeah, the yeah. particular mod chips don't really matter anymore yeah um, but it was between four wires for a very basic mod chip and up to 36 wires, depending on how extensive you wanted the mod chip to be. Mm-hmm. It could do all kinds of shit. It could, <laughs> it could, yeah, there were mod chips, do you remember these, jam that would convert uh, PAL to NTSC and vice versa? Oh, yeah, yeah. You could pick the boot method, whether you wanted it to run in PAL or NTSC. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no cheat, which was built into a lot of games later on which prevented you from using pro-action replay and cheat codes mm. on the console. This could kill those. Yep. <laughs> it would kill region protection. It would kill copy protection. It would it would basically modify basically anything that Sony had put in there that you would want to prevent for the interest of piracy. Mm. You know, and, uh, and, and once the chip was installed, it was interesting because, do you remember this, Jim? It would, it, if you ever open up a PlayStation, you can see it pretty easily because it kind of mm. sits on top of the PCB.
2: Yes, that's right, yeah. And yeah. it looks
1: like a spider kind of just reaching long <laughs> legs out to certain solder points. You're literally soldering wires onto specific pins on the PCB mm. that bypass all these things. Mm -hmm. and it's very non-dangerous i mean you're especially with the easy mod chips that most people wanted which just bypass the boot sector protection which Mm. just lets you play burn discs i mean those that was four wires Mm. soldered onto four pins that weren't in use on the playstation like you could literally fuck it up and it you just desolder it and resolder it like you you really couldn't fuck it up too bad hmm but it's soldering, and that
2: scares people, and I don't blame Of them. course, wait, yeah. <laughs> but it's like we mentioned on the previous podcast. It is reversible, you know, worst-case scenario. It's, if uh, you
1: want to learn to solder, especially on old-school components, PlayStation is where you should cut your chops. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Take a basic so, yeah. soldering kit, learn how to solder, simple stuff there, then try getting your hands on a mod chip and soldering a mod chip into a PlayStation. You fuck mm. up. Who cares? <laughs> and try a burn exa- exactly, disc. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yep. This uh, PlayStation's got a very sensitive laser lens. It's very low quality, very cheap. Mm. That's why I highly recommend verbatim discs. They're still around today, verbatim CDRs. rs They're like <laughs> three bucks more than most of the other ones. They cost about 15 bucks a spindle for 100. And, uh, you know, burn yourself a copy of, uh, you know, like Thrill Kill. <laughs> <laughs> and run that because you're not breaking any copyright laws, even though it's still technically illegal. But mm. so, Jim, you knew. Did you have a lot of friends who had it? Did you have the guy in the yeah. neighborhood who had the mod, the modded PlayStation?
2: That there, there was. It was. There's a lot of people who had a modded PlayStation. Not only that, there was the the guy that was doing it for everybody, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, for a fee, for a oh, for quite a high fee, I think I remember. Really? Yeah, I remember
1: yeah. the mod chips used to be like hundred bucks just because yep, people yeah. wanted to pirate, and then the
2: guy who knew how to how to install it probably charged about the same. He, he charged. I think it's hundred fifty. It was kind of like okay. we was looking because okay. because uh, especially when you know he if he because like you said the chip is worth quite a lot of money anyway, mm-hmm. um, so he can and since he was. I guess he considered himself the only person that knew how to do it. Um, you kind of could command that at the time. Obviously that didn't last forever because once the masses, I guess we were in that interim period where not everybody was internet savvy at this stage. Not everybody was looking up how to do it themselves. So you're mm-hmm. still relying on the per one that the one person <laughs> who knew how to do it. But that was changing though. That's changing because nowadays, you know, as we're going to get onto these later things, there's a lot of the stuff you can look up yourself. And with a bit of time and a bit of effort, you can sort of achieve, you know, modding equally easily. Oh yeah, really? we should
1: point out also when those mod chips were doing this, like Jam said, when he was charging hundred and fifty bucks, that was because you weren't risking a twenty dollar PlayStation one, you were risking a three hundred dollar Oh yeah, yeah, this one. yeah,
2: that's definitely a good, definitely yeah. worth pointing out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was three hundred pounds the PlayStation one back in the day. Wow. It was yeah, no, I remember. I wow. remember exactly, and that was with no The pound games. wasn't
1: as strong in the late nineties compared to America, yeah. but still but no game. It was either. still like four hundred bucks. Mm. Uh, we didn't get any games either. All we got was the stupid demo disc Is it with a Polygon it? Man. Yeah, and the T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but t- T-Rex will be the universal demo. I just got an Oculus. I won't talk about it on this show. but uh, And, and it, it opens with a T-Rex demo. Like, the t- T-Rex will always be the ultimate demo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. And the mod chip was crazy, right? Because once you had it, Jam, you know, I mean, PlayStation games were still 40 bucks and rental renting was still very common at least for america was it common out there to rent playstation oh, One oh games? yeah
2: we, we rented all the time yeah we we didn't even own a lot of play many uh i think we owned um, destruction derbies like that's like the only PlayStation game one we had for ages all the rest we just rented so. mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and um and and of course uh cd burning was easy back then um yes even mm. even then especially if you didn't need the good boot sector um uh, I think it was called CDR win cd rwin was the Windows 95 uh, software that did it. And you would turn your burner down to one-time speed. I used a external... Um, I didn't do... Uh, I did CD burning back then. I didn't have a modded PlayStation. But I would do an external parallel port 19-pin um, CD burner that would burn at one-time speed... Um, and, uh, and I would have to bring it out of the closet and plug it into the back and have it detected. And it would burn at one time speed. So burning a CD would take um, as long as the CD was. So if it was a full CD, 80 minutes mm. to burn. Yep. <laughs> that was the old school way of doing it. Uh, but it. And you still want to do that today. If you are burning, I think image burn lets you go as low as four times on even today's CD burners. I think that's as low as they go. So it burns it pretty fast, but you want to burn as slow as possible so that it does the most... Clear cut representation of the game you can get. Mm. But yeah, you'd get the guy who had the mod chip, and it was like, it was just like back with the tape stuff, right? He'd have a CD book, yep. and he'd have a <laughs> bunch of games. The other thing you could do, I don't know if you guys had something like this at Game, but Funco Land at the time, which would later become GameStop, had a seven day sellback deal. Like nowadays they have that too. If you don't like the game, you can turn it in and get store credit. But back then it was yep. a return, a full blown return. Mm -hmm. You could buy Resident Evil, go home, copy it, burn it, come back the next day and get your money back.
2: Yep, that's what people heard. (laughs) Yeah, I heard about the mod
1: chip guy who eventually they'd catch on to him. Yeah. You know, there were managers that would say, no, 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 you've bought over 100 games and returned them. We know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Um but yeah, I remember my one friend who had... Uh, he wasn't a friend, actually, because I didn't get to go take advantage of it. But the one guy who had the modded PlayStation, he would be at school, and he would whip out his binder, and it was like a 200-CD binder, and it was almost full of PlayStation games.
2: Nice used to know skip school to do that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Right? Oh, God, that was the days. <laughs> so that was a big deal. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Nowadays, the best way to do it... Uh, and you really don't have to. PlayStation 1 games, thanks to Sony and everything, are pretty easy to get most of the sought-after ones. But if yeah. you absolutely must, and they, you know a handful of games that cost you more than 20 bucks, and you're really feeling like it, I guess you can do it. Um, you can get swap discs. Uh, the yep. other reason, totally justified to have it, that I use it for, uh, and I do use a swap disc is um for stuff like thrill kill people constantly ask me how i got thrill kill playing on a native (laughs) playstation one you know and i said or or resident evil 1.5 i originally before i did the emulator video i had it running on a playstation one but every time it would freeze it'd be this long drawn out process to get it started again Mm -hmm. um use these swap discs you can find them online they're about bucks. And what you do is you got to figure out how to get... Sometimes they come with the spring, but most of the time you have to figure out how to get your lid open, which I told you how to do it, pencil eraser and stuff like that. If you have the little rounded PS1s, you have to have, like, there's a sensor sticker that you put over the lid sensor. Um, And you put this disc in there, and what it does is it boots up with the lid open, and it's the swap trick all over again. It has an actual PlayStation boot sector, and it'll boot it up, And then all of a sudden the program just stops the thing from spinning and it goes, please put in your burn disc now. And you say go and it goes. Mm -hmm. So that's the easy way to do it now. Um, This also works on PlayStation 2s. And if you can find a way to do it, I don't think it's worth it. But you can do it on PlayStation 3s as well. Again, this is only to play PlayStation 1 games though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you probably don't need it. Uh, And both the PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 are much harder to get that lid open while it's Mm. uh, – to trick it, so to speak so you can also so still get mod chips on the cheap
2: <laughs> yeah yeah you can yeah yeah it as, as as I say, it's also worth pointing out if people are re are aching to play uh, sort of old playstation games don't forget about the playstation network uh, the american account and the european account and the japanese account as well because the games are cheap on there and they work fine yes so,
1: yes yeah. and there's a lot of stuff like for example rival schools that's a great Capcom yeah. game oh yeah hard to find around here about 60 bucks um and emulation doesn't work well. Uh, burn discs don't work well on it. You shouldn't be doing that anyway. Guess what? Get on the Japanese store. It's called something different, but you can yeah, easily look it name, up. Yeah, it's 600 yen, and it's both discs. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, do stuff like that. It's it's mm. the better way to do it. Uh, another ex- prime example: Thunder Force uh, Five and yeah. Einhander, mm-hmm. all on the Japanese store. 600 yen a piece. So well worth it on the ps3 stuff um all right
2: let's talk about the saturn now did you do much with the saturn well, I, I didn't have a saturn unfortunately but okay. i do i did know about these uh what at least uh the the pro action replay one of course
1: Okay, we'll talk about Pro Action Replay in a sec. Not as nefarious yeah. as it sounds. In fact, I don't even think Sega cares that you used it. No, um, <laughs> I don't think they yeah. did. But burned games, that's a little more important. Again, the reason Saturn's real important for burned games, and I have modded my Saturn, is because certain, uh, Saturn's really hard to emulate. Sure, people like to talk about they get stuff running. Yes, I understand Panzer Dragoon runs just fine. Um, there are other games that do not emulate well at all. Uh, Xbox did some cool stuff. Radiant Silver Gun, one of the most expensive Saturn games. Works great for 10 bucks on Xbox 360. Also got ported to Steam. Um, same thing is true of, what was it? There was Virtual Fighter 2. There was the Sonic fighting game that did that.
2: Oh, there was Fighting oh, yes.
1: Vipers. A lot of interesting games for Saturn did get moved over. Xbox, original Xbox, did Panzer Dragoon as well. Uh, on Panzer Dragoon Orta, it's unlockable. Mm-hmm. But there are other games. Uh, Final Fight Revenge, which is a terrible game, but you might want it. Uh, Nevernight? <laughs> Double Switch doesn't emulate very well, and it's a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's uh, the biggest one, which is Panzer Dragoon Saga. The 15-hour JRPG, yes. four <laughs> discs, extremely rare, 25,000 print run. It's going to cost you about 300 Pussy. bucks for four yeah. discs. Um, mm-hmm. This is something that's justified, and I don't think it emulates well, but I could be wrong. The other one is Shining Force 3. Japan's the only one who got the full three-disc version, um, and it's been fan-translated, and you'll want to play that. Can't play it on an emulator. You need a modded Saturn. Mm-hmm. So, the two ways to do it. One, you can mod the lid as well, but Saturns are a lot more expensive than PlayStations. They go for about $60 to 100 these days. You can mod it in different ways. I don't even know how to do it. And um, you can do the disk swap trick as well for those jam. Yeah. Yeah, now, yeah, Saturn yeah, 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 you, yeah, Saturn didn't do a bad boot sector, but it did have a Saturn code on there. They were called red disks. There's um, only
2: the one model for Saturn as well, wasn't there? There wasn't. No, was there, there are three w- models for Saturn. Three? Oh, really? But you oh.
1: can't tell what they are until ah, you open right. them. Mm-hmm. They have three hardware revisions, and you can't tell what they are until you open them. There are a serial number of ways to tell as well. Mm. Um, the most common way is a mod chip. I actually like my mod chip in my Saturn so much, I bought a second one and I have it, as well as an unmodded second Saturn, ready to mod at any time if I need to, if this Saturn ever dies out on me. Uh But since I use this Saturn only for burn discs on games I can't get my hands on, which is very rare, I'm usually pretty good. You'll be tempted to use burn discs more often on the Saturn because things like Resident Evil cost so much, like 50 bucks. I urge you not to do that. Again, use the natural discs. They, they'll make your Saturn last longer. Um, even if you mod it, you can run normal discs in there. That will elongate the life of your laser lens. You don't have to be like me and buy two of them. But you can buy the one and only use burn discs when you absolutely need to. Um, anyway, the thing with the, the mod chip is, yes, if you open it up, <laughs> you will either see a Revision 1, which is a 64-pin main processor chip, Mm -hmm. there was a 32 pin later revision two processor chip and then there was the 32 pin revision two chip and to my knowledge you want the middle one the revision one 32 pin chip reason why is the pins are much it's the same space so the pins are not as close together uh the mod chips more effective it was basically designed for that model and i think in the the 32 bit redesign and with the 64 bit there are things in place with the 64 pin one it's just that it wasn't the mod chip doesn't work perfectly for it because they couldn't design around it Mm. and with the 32 pin remodel it was designed to kind of bypass mod chips. So therefore, the mod chip's not 100% effective. What happens if you have one of these two different models and you use the mod chip is something I've seen, which is you can't really swap games on the fly, whether they're legit or not, because basically the console doesn't care whether they're legit or not. So let's say I'm playing Alien Trilogy, which I have an actual disc for. You guys have seen it. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm playing through Alien Trilogy. It's a legit disc in my modded Saturn. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Then I want to switch games and play Panzer Dragoon Saga, which I don't have. I've burned it. Well, if I cut the power on the Saturn, pop it open, remove the disc, and put uh, that Panzer Dragoon in there and boot it up, it won't boot. Hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, it's because in the temporary RAM or something, it has stored, probably because of what the mod chip does, it has stored the disc that I loaded already and it has a mismatch and it won't load it. Instead, what I have to do is I have to unplug the Saturn, wait different periods of time. Sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's an hour and then boot it up and it works fine. Mm. This also sometimes has problems with multi-disc. Double switch is two discs um, but you get to save before you swap the disc. See, back in these days they were really smart. They always had you save before you change the disc in case anything Mm. would go wrong. Um... Which almost everything does it except I don't think Metal Gear Solid does it, okay. uh, but maybe it does. I can't remember now. But um, so you can save, and if for any reason the disc doesn't work right, you just turn it off and you wait, and then you load your save from the end of disc one on disc two, and you're good to go. I think that's how I do it with Panzer Dragoon Saga. Mm. Um, but occasionally it does work if you have the 32-bit or 32-pin original second revision of the Saturn chip. It just works fine out of the gate. and You can swap games all day long. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, that mod chip was very popular. Uh, the mod chip and modern Saturns are really hard to find today. And somebody who will do it for you is, I think, impossible. Um, that, uh, no guy then. Yes, I paid a guy <laughs> 60 bucks to do mine in Chicago at a store. You will probably still be able to find guys at mom and pop shops that'll do it for you. Just look for anybody who refurbishes stuff or go to a, game, a retro game convention. You'll find a guy. Um, you'll want to have the chip ready though. So like I'd probably go to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, bring my Saturn and my mod chip uh, because I don't trust myself on that. and I don't know what kind is in my Saturn. I've disassembled a Saturn before. It's not too complicated, but I haven't looked in my uh, legit Saturn for what kind of chip it is yeah so i would probably go to the portland retro gaming expo or the midwest gaming classic and walk around there with the mod chip and the saturn and say who can i pay to put this in you know Mm -hmm. anyway uh last is the pro action replay Mm -hmm. jam you definitely know about this (laughs) um this was um in america we never got the ram card expansion which was one megabit uh, for I think it was Street Fighter versus X Men, and it was four megabits. For a couple of the other ones like Darkstalkers, uh, Vampire in Japan, these were only for the two D fighting games we didn't get in America. Um, you need those to run them, and they run great. They run fantastic on the Saturn, uh, much better than they do on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you need that, and also. If you own a legit Saturn, you want to be able to play imports. I promise you. Because all your burning and shit like that and mod chip stuff, you don't need half of that. Thanks to the fact that most of the rarest games in America are dirt cheap, including Resident Evil. I I, I don't have Resident Evil, the American version, on my Saturn. I have Biohazard, the $10 Saturn import. (laughs) Um, The pro-action replay is how you play it. You, mm-hmm. you can buy it now. It's still on Amazon. It costs about 30 bucks, mm-hmm. And you need it for several reasons. One, the memory built into the Saturn is very small. And if your CR2032 in the back of your Saturn, which is a little watch battery, dies, or if the port stops working, like for some reason, even when I change the battery, it doesn't keep working, then you lose all the memory that's saved on your Saturn every time you turn the system off. Well, mm. how the fuck do you save anything then? The other problem is it allows you to play imports from all countries. And in the Saturn's case, I think there was only Japan and U.S., but no, maybe you guys got a U.K. version of the Saturn. You guys did.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so it'll allow you to play all of those, although you won't want U.K. games because of the pal and TSC problem. Um, and uh, and you also need the RAM expansion because those games are cheap. Street Fighter versus uh, X-Men and uh, Darkstalkers or Vampire. I mean, they're like $10 games and they're great ports. Hmm. You'll want that for all those things. So the Pro Action Replay is a region-free removal. It does have a cheat device on there, so you can cheat with all your games, too, if you want to beat, like, Bug with 100 lives for some reason. Um, And it has memory in it. It has, just like the Sega CD one, only on a greater scale, it has a storage memory that's non-volatile RAM that stores, like, tons of saturn storage so what you do is you use that and so with my saturn it's kind of a pain in the ass but every time i'm done playing a game and i save on it i have to reset there's a reset button on the saturn you don't power it off you reset Mm -hmm. it'll reload into the action replay menu because it's in the cartridge slot on the saturn and it'll boot into that and then you copy the storage from your saturn's hard drive over to the cart And then you can cut the power because it'll wipe the memory. But when you boot it back up, you just copy the memory from the cart onto the hard drive again, and you're good to go. It's kind of a pain in the ass, but it's what you have to do with Saturn. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. So the Pro Action Replay, it doesn't allow you to play burn games or anything. It just allows you to region free your console and work with everything and give you save back.
2: But Japanese Saturn
1: games are pretty cheap. They are very cheap. Hmm. So he's get Heck says, I want to get MK Trilogy on my Saturn someday. Someday. Um, well, there you go. Is, uh, that, is that a
2: good port? Is that,
1: like, is that a good version? Um, of it? Mortal Kombat Trilogy is an okay port on Saturn. Does it have um, like the awful Changsung loading times? My <laughs> <yes. Like> PlayStation.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: I think it did. I think it did. So um but it also has there's a mortal Kombat 2 japanese port of of uh on the saturn Mm -hmm. and apparently it's like arcade perfect i have it um it's actually really cheap it's not that common but it's really cheap when you find it i think i bought it at midwest gaming classic for like seven bucks i've never booted it up though i've never had a desire to (laughs) but i probably (laughs) should um but that one i think it does save Shang Tsung into ram when it loads it up Whereas Mortal Kombat trilogy, because there are so many fighters, you had to pick like the seven you wanted to load into RAM, mm-hmm. and then it might get rid of the load times. Actually, now that I think about it. So anyway, all right, moving on. We've got the N64.
2: Jam? I can't believe there's any mods on the N64. That there's missed- a lot, actually. Really? <laughs> yes, there's an RGB I about mod. I flashcards. Yeah, I know the flashcards, but...
1: Well, there's the RGB mod, which is similar to the last ones. There's yep. the flashcards. And again, these are all things that have been on, that we talked about last last week, so I'm not talking about it. Um, but there is also an HDMI mod that exists out there. Oh, wow. It's really cool. It, it basically makes it look like an emulator. Um, it takes out the blur. It gives it razor oh, I've Sharp heard about 1080p. This. Yeah, yeah mm. it's expensive. I think the the mod itself, much like the NES, the mod itself is like 100 bucks, And then to inst- have someone install it, it's like another $100. Um, and then recently people talked about the anti-aliasing mod that can be done through Game Shark and Flash carts. What this does is they've discovered that the anti-aliasing, the smear blur effect on all N64 games... Mm-hmm is actually built into the software and it can be toggled off with a simple selection in the boot sector. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see this on Quake 64. Quake 64 actually is the only game that's on N64 that allows you to ch- turn it off in the menu. Huh. It actually says anti-aliasing or D blur on or off. Mm. Um, so somebody was like, well, I wonder if that's in all the boot sectors and lo and behold, it is. They said, well, I wonder if we can turn it off. Lo and behold, you can. You can either use a GameShark code or, for like me, with a flash cart, you just uh, get the patches for it. There's a guy who made all of the patches for it, and you just load it into your EverDrive, and you turn on patching. And they just load with, that, with the anti-aliasing off. Now, what this has been talked about is this makes the games look sharper on CRT TVs. So, like, for me, when I'm running the game on my TV, it looks sharper than it even does. Because, you know, it still looked blurry even on CRT TVs. This sharpens it and makes it look very similar to what the HDMI mod does on HD TVs. Mm -hmm. When you put it through, like, uh, YouTube, and when you see, like, my capture of Resident Evil 2, which had the anti-aliasing mod on you'll notice the results are not quite what you get, and not even close to what you get out of the HDMI mod. So on HDTV and capture cards and things like that, this software patching of the anti-aliasing mod really doesn't do much. But if you're going to play N64 on a CRT, this is just a, a way to make games look slightly better. So yeah. It's a cool mod. It's It's recently, cool. it's yeah. recently noticed, mm. but it's not that big a deal. Yeah, <laughs> um, it depends how much you love your N sixty four. Exactly. Uh, let's move on to Dreamcast. Oh,
2: the Dreamcast.
1: Yes, the Dreamcast. So that had native VGMI or VGA support with a VGA box that yeah, you it did. Yeah. S- uh, s- uh, Sega put out, and then mm-hmm. there's third party ones now. Uh, looks gorgeous. You'll be able to see that on the Resident Evil 2 version. I'm trying to get that video out to this week, guys. That's all right. Um, but I'm just such a perfectionist that I keep having to go back and recapture more footage. And it's not easy. <laughs> I'm sure it looked great. I can't wait for that. <laughs> uh, it should be better. I, I used to really pride myself on my Doom mm. version. And I, I was re-watching that today, and I don't really like it as much. I think it was kind of sloppily done. So I'm That's hoping good. this is much better. But mm. There is an HDMI mod out there, though. That will export it uh, just to 480p. Um, it might do 1080p, but to my knowledge, it doesn't. Mm. Um, it kind of does what my VGA box through to HDMI does. Mm. Uh, I basically have the same result, only I used a bunch of components that were hard to find. <laughs> 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 um, the other thing is that USB stick replacement is available. Um, All right, It's yeah. the same guy who did the 3DO one. It's the same price. It's about 300 bucks um it's on uh stone age gamer for right now but he's already said you know i'm not going to get many more of it and it costs another like 100 bucks to install the reason it's different is dreamcasts are pretty cheap to come by they're about 40 bucks really they're quite hard to find around here oh really yeah i've got three i You're bought free? one by accident for 30 bucks at a, <laughs> at a, at a, at a sale By accident <laughs> yes because i didn't think i had to Mm-hmm. I thought that one. I thought the laser lens on one was going, and I didn't know I had the second one, so yeah. I bought a third one. Turns out the laser lens wasn't, and it was just the particular disc I was using for the game I had recently bought, and uh, so my original one worked. I had a second one, and now I have this third one, so I have plenty of them. Mm. Also, Dreamcast games. There's nothing that's super rare or super hard to come by.
2: Uh, it's fairly pricey. Some of them, you know, you can. I mean, Ikaruga, but that's been ported. Skies of Arcadia is pretty pricey. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So there's a couple. There's a couple. There's a couple. <laughs> but there's nothing. Mean, they're, they're not over the top. They're just.
1: Is it worth it for a four hundred dollar USB stick mod? No. I don't think so. <laughs> not so. And I don't think Dreamcasts are going anywhere. There are a lot of them, at least in America, Jam. Mm. So. And with so yeah, a VGA out, you should be able to use them no matter what the territory. So. Mm. Also, all Dreamcasts can play Burn games uh, if they're model one or two look at your UPC signal look for zero or one at the end that's uh, mm-hmm. how you know if it'll play burn games or just put a burn game in there uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend burn games again burns out the laser lens but yeah mm-hmm. uh all right playstation 2
2: oh, of course there's a mod chip
1: <laughs> kind of the same thing yeah mod <laughs> chips exist um there is the swap discs that was called swap magic I have them there's a CD one and a DVD one. Apparently, those are super expensive now. Those are like 150 bucks. Wow. Because they allow you to load any PlayStation 2 game by just burning it onto a DVD. Mm. Oh, no, no, I've seen that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, apparently, that's a big deal uh, without modification. We'll talk about Free McBoot in a sec, but that needs modification. Um, you do have to do some fun little, like mods to your playstation 2 to like get it to have all its protections in place there are three places where the protection's covered maybe Mm -hmm. i'll show it at some point but you're basically taping cardboard to different parts of the insides of your ps2 (laughs) um but then you can use it i use it very rarely but i use the swap magic to run a pal game in ntsc mode which is what the swap magic also does which is how i played masters of the universe um i also uh use it to play super rare games. Um, it's how I would be able to replay Michigan now because I took yeah. a backup of it and sold my copy of Michigan Absolutely. because I'm not a collector. <laughs> so there's no value in me keeping it. Somebody out there wants that version so they can have it, but I've never had a desire to replay Michigan either. So, um, which is not necessarily true. Grasshopper manufacturer. I might go through it again yeah. because <laughs> yeah. it looks gorgeous. But um, then there was free McBoot. Are you familiar with Free McBoot Jam? Mm, no, I'm not, actually. It's a soft mod for the PlayStation mm-hmm. 2. It, basically, you have to get it onto a memory card. It's a little hard to do, um, but once you have it on a memory card, you can keep copying that memory card. And The internet got ruined by a bunch of people who tried to sell these memory cards, which is not good. I have a Free McBoot memory card. If you ever want one, hit me up. Contact GamingHistory101.com. We'll arrange to have you... Um, PayPal me some cash only for the memory card I've got a mom and pop store near me who sells the memory cards for like 10 bucks I'll go buy the memory card um, and and copy the McBoot stuff and send it to you what you do is you put it in your memory card slot when you boot up your console it works on all consoles you have the option to basically boot games off of hard drives or USB sticks so this is for when your laser lens dies Um, USB sticks don't work great because the USB port's really slow. So like all you know, cutscenes and stuff will be really choppy. Um, you can modify with like patching uh, games and burn them to discs and they sometimes work through McBoot. Uh, but the biggest thing is you put that McBoot thing into a PS2 fat. You get a really large hard drive and you use a crossover cable hooked up to a computer much like you do with the Xbox, transfer games to it and then you can run backups of your PS2 games on a PS2 that's got a burnt out laser lens and won't read discs anymore. It's what I plan to do when my PS2 fat finally dies. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but yeah, that's a cool little thing and it doesn't require you to modify the thing or trick the system or anything like that, so. Uh, free McBoot's hard to find because you need it on a physical memory card ready to yeah, go. Yeah, that's for someone. Uncommon. Well, but I can do it. I can copy it yep. no problem because I can do it on my PS2. Plus, I have the PS2, PS1 memory card adapter for the PS3. Ooh. So I was also yeah. able to copy the McBoot program to my PS3. Okay. And I can just duplicate it like crazy. So. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but again, most people don't do that effort unless you're going to charge them. Again, it gets into address giving out and stuff like that. So that's, that's also why I'll want to go buy the, the, the memory card for you and send it to you. Because no offense, but I don't want to give my address out to a bunch of people so that you can send me a memory card. And I don't know if it'll be compatible. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and I understand, yes, you're giving me yours, but I am also a public figure. I'm easy to find. I have a website. I can be tracked down mm. if I do anything nefarious. Um, and if I'm not selling it to you, we're good to go. Anyway, I don't think a lot of people will want it, so it's no big deal. Yeah. All right, Jam. Uh, could free Mac boot work on a backwards compatible PS3? No, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not for sure. You know, it's but not yes, it. heck, it works. Uh, go look up free Mac boot, and you'll see what it does. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, you, you guys hit me up. Seriously, hit me up, and I'll talk to you about getting you a free Mac boot memory card. It's no problem. <laughs> Um, That's right like from McDonald's, <laughs> right? So. all right, let's talk about the Xbox. Oh, so the- soft modding right. the Xbox Jam. I have obviously been talking way too much. Why don't you talk about what soft modding the Xbox does and kind of how you do it?
2: Well, so there's actually yeah, but kind of a few ways that you can do it. While well, I was looking up, really, I, I didn't realize mm-hmm. that there was so many ways to soft mod an Xbox now. But um, so yeah, ba- basically the original Xbox is. We, we kind of briefly touched on this last week, didn't we? With um, that, you can essentially sort of take the Xbox apart and kind of, you know, well, if you want to, install a hard drive. But you don't have to go that hardcore if you don't want to. Um, no, it's actually extremely easy
1: to replace the drive. People literally sell the drives online. Yeah. You, if you want it to look aesthetically pleasing, you just have to pop off the Xbox front and put it onto the new drive. And it's literally opening the box and replacing a ribbon cable.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: You unplug a IDE cable and plug a, a new one in. It's no mm. problem whatsoever. But for all the effort you have to do to get in there, because you need Torx screws taken yeah, off, which aren't hard quite... to do. You just have to mm. buy like a kit at a hardware store. But with if you're already opening it up, why not just put a new hard drive? I was
2: going to say you're halfway there already. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, sorry about that. Oh, no, no, no. It. It's cool, man. That's it. it's good. Um, so it's, there's. So one of the, sort of the popular ways of you know, doing soft in the Xbox, the original one, um, is... Well, you can't- says 360. No, we're talking about original Xbox, not 360. You
1: can do 360, but since piracy is mm. still kind of rampant on 360, we're not covering
2: 360 today. Yeah, I'd say you probably don't need to at this stage for 360 anyway, but... Um, That's uh, one where there's really no Rare games. Like I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> nothing. Uh, but anyway, continue. Um, so, the first way is so that you, you, can, you, you can use the, the Xbox memory card units, basically, um, which you basically, because there's a, there's an ability to basically, you, from the the Xbox memory card, can be connected to the PC so that you can install the sort of mod onto the, the driver, basically, to put into the original Xbox. Um, there is some kind of, this, this is the bit that I got a bit struck I need a friend to help me with this, but there's you can basically do some stuff with the, an actual Xbox game um, for mm-hmm. example, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell is the one that's most the popular. The three
1: are Mech Assault, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell...
2: And Agent Under Fire. The yes, 007. and 007
1: Agent Under Fire. The mm-hmm. greatest hits or Platinum or whatever versions of those yeah. don't work except for Splinter Cell. You can use either version of Splinter Cell.
2: Yeah, they, and they always specify, they, when, when you look this up, they always specify don't, don't use the um, sequels. I like know, mm-hmm. Pandal Tomorrow or Chaos Theory or any of that, yeah, so no, and stay away no, from
1: yeah. that. You have to use and and the best laid plans and cheapest way to do it from my understanding is agent under fire right is that the one
2: yeah that's the one that 007 I
1: think- agent under fire the original release the black box version or the original release of splinter cell are your cheap ones so you can get those on ebay for like five ten bucks
2: yeah and that's the, that's the funny thing about them is that they didn't because sometimes with these a bit like with the free ds you know because they obviously found a way to hack that with that was that ninja drop that ninja box or whatever it was that thing yeah, yeah that yeah. game just skyrocketed in value when that <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> cubic ninja or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. not with the xbox though these games y- you can find them really easily and they're easy to you know um get hold of um because obviously you need you do need to have an internet connection to get this to work as well uh no you, you are, don't don't you oh okay you need to have
1: an internet connection to well, get the save files like onto a computer but you do not have to hook your xbox to the internet
2: no, yeah, I guess you don't. I guess I, I kind of do, because you can um, dump ROMs onto it that way through the internet cable, so it makes it kind of... Oh, yes, I'll talk about that yeah. in a sec.
1: But yes, you hook the ethernet cable either up to a computer directly, Yeah. or you hook it up to a router, and you technically use local area connection, not the internet. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, good point. Yeah, you could hook a laptop, you could take a router or a, or a switch that's not hooked up to the internet... And just plug your laptop into it, and plug your Xbox into it, and use it that way. But
2: yes, that is what you'll want to do to move games. Yes. Um, the only reason I was just mentioning that is because I guess maybe the the version I was following it, it recommended. So I guess this this bit's not necessary. It recommended. You had like the most kind of up to date version of Xbox Live. I know. And the reason
1: you, know, you don't need that is Halo yeah. Two will update it. Yeah, that's that, that also, like, FIFA 05 also updates it, which is real cheap in America because we don't like football <laughs> games. Um, it's probably very but, cheap over here as well. So. But there are a lot that do it. There are yeah. a lot that do it. In fact, Splinter Cell does it. Yeah. Splinter Cell has the update. So um, what you do is you just, even if you're not hooked up to the internet, you just go to Xbox Live on Splinter Cell. There's It's in the main menu. And it'll go, up. Oh, we have to update your Xbox. There's a way to look and see if you've got it because most consoles
2: do have it already. Yeah, you go to System Info and scroll yes. down and um, you've got to – It auto-scrolls. It's really boring. It's really, really slow. Um,
1: <laughs> but, yeah, if you have – so Splinter Cell is the one you want to pick up because it will allow you to update your Xbox and use the exploit all at once.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Also, Jam, you don't have to use a memory card for the Xbox. Certain USB sticks work, and you can buy the the USB cable that hooks into the controller port and has USB on the other end uh, for like five bucks still online. And then certain... Certain ones work. Uh, What you want to do is find slightly older ones. You can do models and stuff, but the easiest way to do it is you just plug the stick in there and see if you can go under memory and see it available. Be careful. If you get one that works, it immediately wipes and reformats everything on that stick. So you'll lose it if it works You won't lose it if it doesn't. So Mm -hmm. back up whatever stick you're trying. But you want to find something that's like 32 megabytes to one gigabyte. Usually that time period is the one that's compatible with it. Once you have that, you can use some software on the PC to move the save data over to it. You can also use that in the future to move save data back and forth. So if you want a save game that you didn't actually create yourself, Mm -hmm. you can
2: download it off the Internet and move it over that way as well. So. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, yeah, so, and as you said, Fred, you, you obviously have the you use the the it's sort of the USB converter and the control port there, um, and then basically you can go onto the Xbox and you can access the sort of the installer for the for the software to which.
1: Yep, all you do is load Splinter Cell or whatever, and you load that save game, mm-hmm. and it will go to the installer, and it's it's pretty easy to do. Um, you just watch it do it. Mm-hmm. In the middle of it, it does have to reboot. And you need to get the disc out of there. So what you do is you just tell it to reboot, and it'll restart your Xbox. And while it's restarting it, you get a decent amount of time. You just have to press eject, pull the disc out, press eject again, and close the tray, and it'll continue the installation uh, and finish up. If you screw that part up, it'll ju- you'll just have to start from scratch all over again. Yeah, pretty really much. Soft-modded. It just wipes the RAM. It doesn't do anything mm. to write home about. Uh, but, but then once you've got it soft modded, your console will boot into. Um, it's it's set up. You can set it up in different ways. The way yeah, I've got mine versions, set up. Yeah. yeah, the way I've got mine set up is if you press the power button, it loads into the custom firmware. If you press the eject button, it loads into the Microsoft
2: firmware. The because um, I, I got a bit of help with my one. I actually have a switcher on mine on the front, oh, so okay. which um I don't yeah. Cause I, so I can still use the um, eject button to put discs into it um so and you
1: can do that um but what you yeah you have to go through the software there's an eject disc and stuff in the custom mod software Mm -hmm. um the the new ones too have copying of discs um to the hard drive built into them which is very useful as well yes that is (laughs) and again most of this is for backups like jam i'm not uh downloading xbox games on the internet first of all microsoft goes crazy over finding those even today yeah so you'll notice that on all these rom sites you'll go to the playstation section they've got the entire playstation 2 catalog ready to download in a heartbeat you go to the xbox section and it's all these 17 part mega upload bullshit kind of things and you're just like what the fuck Mm -hmm. uh to the point that you end up just Buying Metal Wolf Chaos because yep. <laughs> it's easier than all the viruses and malware and spyware you're going to get downloading 19 parts to put together, and then you're going to introduce that to your Xbox and hope it doesn't brick the fucking thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I tend to I, I have only used real games. Me too. Um, yep. Yep. But my laser lens is starting to go. It doesn't read as well as it used to, and like even when I'm copying games to the hard drive, it will screw up sometimes I'll have to try it a couple of times to get it on like perfect discs and so I'm trying to get as many backed up as I can and you can't use your computer to back up the games the xbox used a proprietary format that to this day no one's ever hacked so the only way to extract share and use these games is to copy them and then you can transfer them from an xbox hard drive to a pc hard drive in a form that only the xbox can use Yeah. Or you can do it the other way around. So what I do is I've copied all my games, but I have, like, 55 of them. So I've done, again, that old big terabyte hard drive. I've moved them all over there. And I only keep – I have a 100-gig hard drive in there, so I keep – but I've got MAME in there, which has yeah. all the stuff on That's it. That's all I've got, It's yeah. a great MAME machine, I will mm-hmm. say. Um, and it pu- puts everything in 720p. Um, although you have the European version, so you have to do a weird HD mod. We don't in America It natively does 720p So uh I don't have a HD mod on my one
2: I just Well you can You can You just choose not to Mine is
1: modded to run everything in 720p Even if it has to upscale it Um, Mm. And so uh, But yeah basically at that point You can run anything It also removes region locks So I will be doing a playthrough soon Of Metal Wolf Chaos And
2: mine's with English subtitles And English menus So Mm. That'll be fun so let's go just, uh, just to backtrack slightly about the, the Xbox games at the moment are quite cheap as well just to point out so they're not rare okay. there is a there is the it's like we were saying about Dreamcast there is the odd one or two that are uncommon. Metal but, Wolf Chaos. Yeah that, 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 <laughs> what, that is one of them yeah. Uh, that, one,
1: that one ran me 110 but uh, it was complete
2: I figured if I was going to buy it I may as well go complete eight. Even games like Panzer Dragon Orta, they are that's a fantastic. Panzer game. Dragon Orta is only like twenty um I'd, yep, I'd agree with that. That's probably
1: Phantom 20. Dust is a little on the expensive side. It's 30, 40.
2: Yeah, and we um, and we didn't get that over here as well, so you know. Oh okay. Mm uh conquer live and reloaded
1: is a little on the expensive side really oh. that one will run you about 40 bucks in america
2: not too bad over here that's probably well because
1: you guys all bought it because rare um yeah exactly and, <laughs> uh one that i definitely know is is rare and uh i you know back that up immediately so i won't have to mess with the disc anymore is call of cthulhu oh yeah that's a great game mm-hmm. uh so is um obscure mm-hmm Now, Obscure is really easy to find now. It's like six bucks on Steam, and it's modern PC compatible, so it's a lot easier. Uh, Some say Call of Cthulhu is, but I've heard so many different things. Everybody pretty much says if you can get the Xbox version use that's that one. Much. That'll yeah. run you probably 40-50 bucks these yeah, days. Call that's probably the movie. most
2: expensive one. That That's the hardest one for me to track down for a decent price. Um, Jedi Outcast actually will run you a chunk of change I've got too. that. Disc yeah, <laughs> yeah. only though. Yeah.
1: Oh, I've got it complete. Yeah. Of all the games, yeah, I have complete. <laughs> Almost none of my others. I have the guy game which oh, some yeah, used store gave <laughs> to me. Nobody's fighting me for that one and that's apparently rare. <laughs> <But>. Rubies. <laughs> um what did i recently find oh yeah i recently found a disc only version of dino crisis 3 on ebay for five (laughs) bucks i can't even remember if this game's terrible or not but i'm pretty sure it is i Um, need to replay it because i've got it too i've got that game but you know what happens right you restart it and then about five minutes in you're like oh yeah oh yeah this is shit. So this is what um, killed the series, (laughs) right? But uh, so, but yeah, that's soft modding an Xbox. I highly recommend it. It's very easy to do. There's very little chance you can damage anything. If you swap out the hard drive, you actually keep the original hard drive. That's pre soft modded. You can keep it for backup. And if you ever wanted to, you can literally unplug, you can literally open it back up and it's plug and play. Mm. And it doesn't like register that it's a new hard drive. So it doesn't even know. Um, if you ever wanted to go back to your original um, hard drive, if you ever had any problems with your current hard drive breaking or something. Um, it's worthwhile, and as the Xbox starts to die out with the disk drive. Um, but again, the disk drives are like 10 bucks online, and they're easy to swap out too. So maybe there's not a justification for it. But I feel like games run a little better, and I, don't, I only have to have the disk read itself once, right, and make the game. Whereas if you've got those more, you know, like my Taito Legends collection, uh, it runs kind of good half the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's been resurfaced, but it's not great. Well, I got it to finally copy over to the hard drive, and that version, that digital version that was a rip of that actual disc, runs 100% all the time, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's a benefit. But. Um, Jam, we're not going to get to Raspberry Pi, but I'll talk yeah, to you about that it. in a sec. We will cover that. But let's wrap up with Wii soft modding. Wii. Hooray. Yes. <laughs> this one's kind of like Xbox, but you don't have to open it up. I was to say, yeah, you don't have to take this one apart. <laughs> so but it's a lot easier to fucking brick it, and it's a little more technical. It's all software, yeah, but it's yeah. a lot more technical. Mm-hmm. So I'm worth it if you want to put the effort in. Did you do it?
2: I have done You're it suffering. yet. I, 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 was, oh. I, I, I am going to. I've got a, I've got a spare okay. Wii I was going to give it a go with, but I just haven't got around to it. <laughs> I have done it. You've done it, yeah.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. I have done it. Um, I do it very much the same way as the Xbox. Uh, I back stuff up to a USB drive, Yep. and then I run them off the USB drive. You can, again, look for and download copies of games online. The Wii is a lot more abundant online. But again, kind of like you said, Wii games are so common oh, yeah. to find. And the only rare ones, Nintendo has re-released, at least for us, on the Wii U. Uh, Xenoblade just got added, I downloaded that. Mm -hmm. Metroid Prime Trilogy, which never ran real well on uh, when you copy the disc anyway. Mm -hmm. That got released digitally, so I don't need that. Um, All the really rare games are already re-released. So um, most games, again, this is all about convenience really, and not having to bounce into the disc. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, the other thing it does is it runs GameCube games in 480p. Yeah, that's good, man. And with the GameCube though, you can actually run, you can use some, some software to illegally run GameCube (laughs) ISOs and those I may have been guilty of doing from time to time. Um, most of the time I don't have to like PN03, like that was 10 bucks. No problem. Um, Resident Evil 4 I own. Eternal Darkness I own. Yep. I have a pretty extensive GameCube collection that I've shown off online. In fact, most of my GameCube games you would ever want, uh, I have in disc form. Yeah. Um, But I've used it for a couple of things. I'm trying to remember What? I may or may not be guilty of doing that for the Twin Snakes, and I may or may not be guilty <laughs> of doing that for Resident Evil 2, but we'll just leave it there. No, actually, I bought Resident Evil 2. I did use the nefarious means to play it, Yeah. and then I realized, you know, kind of spoilers for version. It's like the best version of Resident Evil 2, mm-hmm. so it's probably the version. Or I, I did go out and buy it. Um, got lucky, though. Recent mom-and-pop store had it for 14.99 GameCube version. It was a good price, so picked it up so um but yeah uh b mulligan says totally worth soft modding the wii i hate changing discs agreed
2: does the is the wii cable
1: actually burning the discs itself no 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 it doesn't burn discs but uh what you do with the wii once you've soft modded it yeah is you go into the software which is called like usb loader gx or something yeah and you put the disc in the drive Mm mm-hmm and then you click on the disk drive and you say copy it and it copies it and then it even goes on your Wii. You will disable your internet so that Nintendo can't upload new firmware and get rid of it.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's but
1: what... it can override that and goes on the internet itself and downloads the the cover art and the instruction manual and everything. So you have wow. it that's pretty very cool. useful. Yeah, they went all out when they soft modded the Wii. Um But you'll have to learn certain things. The other thing you can do is WAD Manager, which is what I mostly use it for, which is you can make injectable virtual console stuff. So the virtual console is like the greatest NES emulator if you don't have like an analog NT or something. So soon I won't need this, but for right now, it's the best way to capture high quality video of most Nintendo consoles, including N64, uh, NES, and SNES. And so you have to do what are called WAD injections, where you take the ROM and you basically trick the console into thinking it's a virtual, it's a, uh, it's a virtual console game, Mm -hmm. and then you can run it in high quality. Um, This is really easy to do with NES and most things are compatible. Same with SNES. Uh, N64, not too much, but that's fine because most N64 games have other ways to play them or are actually on the virtual console. So. so, yeah, so uh, so that's another thing I use it for, which is just a way to play, like, Batman on the NES in high res when I'm doing, like, a copy of version or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's mostly for just not needing to swap discs and not needing to keep a collection available um, because your Wii is usually in a corner that you don't use too much. <laughs> Heck says blow your wad in the Wii. Yeah. <laughs> yep <laughs> so but you can do other things again um but you have to learn to do things they have these they have these things called ios's believe it or not oh yeah <laughs> yeah ios and there's a bunch of different ones and they were different versions of the wii and different stages of development and much like a lot of dev kit stuff like this homebrew app won't work with this version of ios and this needs to go here and you need to soft write them all onto the console and stuff like that and that's what you'll do when you soft mod the console and if you screw it up you can brick your console if you yeah, follow if you're problem. good at following instructions you won't break your console but if you screw it up you can and so you'll have a lot of times where when you go to do stuff with the homebrew channel which is what you really install when you soft mod your wii if you don't pick the right ios's things can break or things cannot work and you don't want to screw that up so um, you just have to be careful just be aware and be careful. You'll be fine. Yeah, but soft modding the Wii is is amazing. Follow the instructions. <laughs> yeah, it also allows you to play uh, the handful of Japanese games that aren't anywhere else, and that includes uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling too. Yep.
2: <laughs> does this make it region free? Mulligan as
1: well? does say you can also emulate old Light Gun games to use the Wii mode. Yes, yeah, this you This is can, how you yeah. can play Lethal Enforcers and stuff like that. Much like I play the actual Mad Dog McCree collection. Mm. So.
2: Sorry, what were you saying, Jim? I was gonna say, is it the, when you mod your Wii? I'm assuming it's region free as well, so makes sense. yes. It when free. you mod your your Wii, if you're using USB
1: loaders, it is region free, but you will want to. Um, again, the the online stuff's not great, and you have to do some weird formatting with your computer that I didn't feel comfortable with. So what I do is, like for example, um, you know, like I got. Uh, there are a couple of games that we eventually got in America, but didn't come out until much later, like uh, the Operation Rainfall games and stuff. Mm. So I have a European version of The Last Story, and I just popped that in there and installed it to my console, and then it just runs the PAL version. Um, yeah, I have, obviously, the Japanese copy of um, uh, what is it, uh, Project Zero 4 oh yeah Um, yeah of course yeah now that uh, that was where when I learned my Wii was pre soft modded and then I just had to take it the next step to put the homebrew channel in there and everything (laughs) so um, but that's my because I use a Japanese Wii Mm -hmm. right now with a bunch of American games so there you go (laughs) so yeah but it's cool to do Um, so yeah with that uh, I think that's going to wrap up our our modding discussion yeah um, for now so you can check us out at GamingHistory101.com. Uh, we didn't have any feedback or anything this week. Uh, if you want to go check some stuff out, um, I did a Doom retrospective today. Yeah, that's great. And,
2: yeah, uh, I was looking for it, looking that full show. Oh,
1: cool. Um, and I hope to have um, the uh, – the Do- I have a Doom 3 documentary that was on the special edition for the Xbox. Oh, sweet. That I'll be yeah. putting live on the website uh, Thursday. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Friday, I hope to have the version video before I go out of town for a wedding. I hope to have the version of Resident Evil 2 live. So I'm going to try to get that. Um, And next week, we're going to actually come back for Prince of Persia. We'll be talking about the Prince of Persia series. Yeah. So that's what's on the docket. Yeah. and, uh, yeah, that's about it. So, Jam, if you want to, do you want to make an extra credit where you kind of yeah. talk about what you did with your Raspberry Pi?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll do that would be
1: cool, pie. and then we wouldn't have to take up time. And I'm really eager to hear Jam's perspective on technical guru stuff and Raspberry Pi I know nothing about. I would have preferred to have it on the show, but I guess more content is better than less content, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: <all> right. <laughs>
0: So, and
1: plus, plus right. people can choose if they want to list you or not <laughs> you will want to jam your shit is always great um, <laughs> you're probably better off solo um but uh anyway with that because i'm fucking over my other show uh we're gonna call it but uh how much jake gyllenhaal next week tons hecked uh, <laughs> with that Absolutely. with that we're gonna call it to a close He's a special this, guest, so. right uh we'll have jake gyllenhaal on next week uh But anyway, um, with that, uh, thank you, All Games. Thank you, Chatters. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Peace out.